Hi everyone, Raphael Harry here, and you're listening to White Label American, a podcast where we hear stories from an immigrant or two, sometimes more. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. Welcome to another episode of White Label American. Thank you all for joining us today. Before we begin, I would like to give a shout out to Martha, Elena, Sarah, Daniel, Jeff, Mark, Verena, and Brenda. Your support on Patreon is always appreciated. History to your name? Can you can you break it down for someone like me? Um, my my real name Amir or my uh, my YouTube name that my traveler? Oh uh, well, let's go with Amir uh, Shamsu. Both of them, your first and last name. Yeah, so obviously my name Amir it means it means prince in Arabic. So my mom and my father mm. named me gave me that name from when I was uh, from when I was a child. Uh, Shamsu is my last is my last name is my father's name, and a uh, black man the traveler. Um, I actually. I used to call myself a uh, black man when I was a teenager. Oh. You know? So I had to have like a little lit name. So I thought to myself, okay, um, I had a little bum fluff, like a little like hair coming out of my chin. Oh, that, that's, myself, is, is that London speak bum fluff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Ah, I'm, I'm used to goatee. That, that's all I'm used to. <laughs> so. No, 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 bum fluff. Yeah, bum fluff. Um, all right. I think I'm, I'm a, I, I like that. <laughs> Thank you. So I was looking at myself in the mirror. I think I was like 14. And I said to myself, "Oh, I'm um, I'm a, like like I'm black, but what goes with black?" And then I just had a little bum fluff, and I said, "Black man." So then that name just stuck with me from when I was a little a little kid. And then um, the whole concept of black man the traveler. Okay, is, wait, wait, wait. Um, don't, don't don't go into black man the traveler. That's spoiler. Oh, that, it's yeah, too it's too early. I just wanted yeah. to get um, Amer Shamsu. It, it's a beautiful name. I really love it. But I didn't realize that Amer was Arabic. He had an Arabic, yeah, yeah. Um, so Arabic, yeah. so Arabic, Arabic for prince. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Wow. Okay, that's beautiful. That just shows how. Um. Um. I was listening. I was watching um Bruce Lee's documentary on ESPN. Um. Uh, be be like water or be water. I keep messing yeah. up the title and. The his the the influence on Bruce Lee's life. You know how when he started his um gung fu school in Seattle. His very first student was a black person who became his, yeah. his good friend. And he just, and right from time in the martial arts, um, um, mixing up, there's always been martial arts and hip hop mixing. Right? We've always yeah. uh, contributed to each other's communities, which nowadays we don't really tend to give credit to each other. But there's always been people mixing up. And it's something that it didn't begin now. It's something that's always gone on right from time. And it's just beautiful that, you know, as soon as you just said that, my mind just went back that way like you see it's something that i'm attracted to your name i'm admiring your name and then you tell me that it's of arabic 
heritage. And I'm like, wow, you see? So I would have just been going like, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. And where, where's that name from? And then I wasn't even expecting Arabic. But there's so many links that we have that, you know, we intertwine in so many ways that if we just, you know, set aside the artificial walls that have been created to, you know, separate us, you know, the, which this podcast is about, we wouldn't, you know, we, we get to learn and see how we are connected in so many ways, you know. So yeah. that's why I began with your name. So you're from, you're not from United States, you're from um, across the pond. So introduce yeah. us to where you were born and um, your neighborhood, you know, you, where you're from. So I'm born and raised in, uh, in the United Kingdom in London, East London, Stratford. Uh, my neighborhood is a very diverse multicultural neighborhood. There's a lot of um, African presence. There's a lot of Asian presence. Mm. There's a lot of Eastern European presence. So it's a very, it's a very diverse neighborhood. It's not a, um, I would say it's equivalent to your type of Brooklyn. It's very like, you know, it's got its ups, it's got its downs, it's got its safe neighborhoods, it's dangerous neighborhoods, but it's, it's, it's what I call home, if that makes sense. It's home, in it? Everything. Yeah. Every, everyone knows everyone and, and it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's home. That's nice. So, um, for you, as a, looking back to your childhood days, what do you consider your favorite childhood memory? Oh, when I was young, me and my friends used to knock on people's doors and, and run away. <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's an English game. And um, I remember we used to we used to um, chop eggs yeah. at people's houses. But you know when you're young, you just do some crazy yeah, stuff. We we, you know? we 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 all did, man. We we all have stories <laughs> like that. that. That's why I laughed, man. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I took my I, I had my fair share of stuff like that. And uh, on an earlier episode with um, I, um, I can't recall what episode that was, but I had two sisters who were born and raised in Trinidad and Tobago before moving to New York, you know, yeah. and um, they were telling me that when they moved to New York, it was like their first time they saw people making out in in public, you know, wow. that was like um, something they had to adjust to seeing, you know, people of all sexes, you know, making out and of uh, all genders, I mean, and, um, and I was talking about first time as a kid back in Nigeria, you know, where I was born and, you know, I saw, I think I was probably eight or nine, and a friend of mine was on a swing, sitting on the very top, and he could see across the fence into the street, and we saw the um, man and a woman making out. We were very conservative back then. That was something you never saw. Like, even my elder sister's wedding, when she got married to her, uh, her husband, it was like a peck. That was, when they said, you, you may kiss the bride, I was like, that was it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we ain't no understand romance. Romance was in movies. <laughs> Nobody saw that stuff. So seeing a man and a woman kissing and making out full time, you know, brought daylight. I was like, whoa, you committing a scene. And yeah. the, the kid on top tells the kids down, down, like, hey, come, come, come up, come up. And everybody climbs up. Get us get stones. I was start throwing stones at them. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, why, why was that the first thing that came to our mind? But hey, that was uh that was that was, <laughs> <laughs> that's where our minds were back then you know and um yeah but it, it's the only, it, that, that's all we could just do then it was that that's to us we, we thought we were doing the right thing <laughs> but if, if but it, it, there were so many times when we saw a chicken or we saw a lizard you gotta stone it man we just had to pick a stone <laughs> just start chasing it around you know and yeah so we, we, we did stuff ran up on neighbors houses Knock, yeah, that man with this stuff like that too, yeah, especially during festive seasons with um the 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 what they call the little fireworks. It's not like the the big fireworks. Um, we had a, I think it was knockout. We called it where you just light. It. It's like it's like matchsticks. You light it and you just oh, yeah, throw yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, pa -pa -pa -pa. And it makes a noise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, we were nuisance with that stuff. <laughs> yeah, so. Yeah, we, we had fun with all that stuff. So, yeah, it was our own ways. Uh, eggs were too expensive for us to throw. <laughs> <laughs> we used to cut eggs. And we used to get cold eggs from the shop. And yeah. we used to put it in flour, you know? Oh. And then you egg in the flour, you chuck it and it, and it pops. It's going to stick because the flour is going to be like... 
That's dangerous, man. Wow. <laughs> so, so what happened if, if any one of you got caught? Pardon? What happened if any one of you got caught? Oh, they were. Someone, <laughs> someone has explained to someone's mother why so and so is in trouble. You know, so. but, you know when you're young and you're just you're, you're wild, you're free, you're oh, just being man. a child. You know. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the privileges that you have when you're young and free. You got no responsibilities. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's uh, it's. Yeah, that's another beauty of this podcast. Like you know, different parts of the world. You know, the different. Yes, there's. It, it's not exactly the same environments, but there's so much. There's so many things that we, we we went through, and so many things that we did that you still see the similarities. You know, <laughs> so yeah. So every time we travel back in time, it's it's funny. That's why when whenever I meet people from different communities we, we can always have something to chat about and laugh and you know look back and it's just funny and say yeah <laughs> this is what we went through during our days <laughs> ah. so um going through still sticking to your, your earlier days you know um who were your inspirations or role, role models when you were younger oh when i was young role models um i was always into hip-hop Mm. Football, well, you call it soccer, but we call it football. Uh, I, I, I grew up calling it football, but um. Oh, okay, yeah. okay, cool, cool, cool. <laughs> I know about Americans and Australians; they call it the opposite, you know, the opposite thing. Yeah, but um, I was always, I was always a child that was into sports, so I, I always played football. I mm. loved playing football, so I really looked into like David Beckham, Ronaldinho, Ronaldo, you know, the famous footballers, JJ Kocha, you know, the famous ones. Yeah. And then uh, m- music-wise, I always listened to Tupac and Biggie, so they always, always mm. like, yeah, I was kind of influenced. And uh, Aaliyah and Left Eye, like Lisa, Lisa, Lisa Left Eye Lopez, so I was always into that type of genre. So the people that, they kind of inspired me in terms of music-wise, but then, um, yeah, I was just, let's just say I was a child that was always like, I had a lot of energy. So when you played... Who did you play like when you played football? Who did you play like? I was a goalkeeper, so I was I was I was in goal. <laughs> yeah, I used to stop the shots, and um, they used to call me like a very good goalkeeper. So I started playing football from young, and then I stopped playing football from the age of sixteen, seventeen, and then from the age of sixteen, seventeen, yeah, um, I got into college. I, I, I studied mechanics, but I didn't really take it seriously because I wasn't. I was always a person like I didn't want to study i don't know why i was a bit different i was a bit weird and then um i started to work from let's say 17 i got into hospitality started working in restaurants and um in kitchens and all that okay and then i, I got into a drama school from the age of 18 and i started performing arts because i really love to be on the camera mm. so i got into drama school from 18 i stopped going to drama school from the age of 21 22 and then i just started like just stayed full-time in hospitality but at the same time i was trying to find myself in life i was trying to find like what's my passion like what do i like Mm. okay was yeah all right so still staying with football um because um i i liked i I played football briefly but due to some family issues i i couldn't play until i became a full adult and now i play for fun with um, yeah. a bunch of dads in the neighborhood. Now I'm a father, so I can, yeah, I get to play for fun. And I play goalkeeper when I'm tired. Like, I, don't, I can't do much running anymore. So I play I play as a striker, like people in Zagi. I stay offside a lot. Yeah, you know, I have a rest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but when I get really tired and then I go stay in goal. But if I don't have gloves, yeah, I'm not playing goalie. No, no, because uh, some, some people like to take it su- too serious. So when they shoot at me, I'm like, hey, man, go, just go score. <laughs> Just go get your goal, man. But um, yeah, if I if I play goalie, I, I'm I'm like an Ika Casillas or Gigi Buffon. Those, those are like some of my goalies. Um, but on on the African side, um, uh, I'm, I'm um, what's this uh Cameroonian dude's name? Um, uh, Mkono was one of the goalies. But the more modern goalies, um, uh, among the modern guys, it's um, 
I like um, Onana. Onana is he's, yeah, he's good. He's, he's really good. I, I like him. I think he, to me he's one of the. I, I rate him as Africa's best. Uh, but the Egyptian guys who never left the continent too are also um, yeah. fantastic. Egypt has always had very good goalies too. So yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm big on African football. I always support African teams at yeah. World Cup. So that's my first love right there. Yeah. But yeah. So in uh, did you support a London team or yeah Manchester? Well, Man United is the team I support, but West Ham is my local team because I'm oh, based okay. in West London. Yeah, I was about, I was I was, I was, I was I've been surprised if you didn't have a London team for <laughs> <laughs> someone born in what London. Um, I don't I don't have any EPL team. Um, I have a British team which is Celtic. Okay. But um, yeah, but my, I have teams everywhere. Like uh, my favorite league is the Italian league because I don't have one team in Italy. I, I like a bunch of teams. If they all win, I'm okay. But I, I like I just love Italian football. I, it's very tactical. I love I love the tactical style. Uh, I I started with defensive football back in the days, so I just love the defense. So that's Italian football was my first attraction when it came to club football. But I came up with national uh, football. So the World Cup was my favorite. That was my favorite competition because I got to know countries. That's how I got to know about other people existing and seeing other nationalities. But um, at club level, Real Madrid is the number one club. Borussia Dortmund, Olympic Marseille, and um, then the rest are mostly African clubs. Okay. Yeah, and then in the United States, it used to be DC United, but I'm, I'm not. I can't really call myself a true fan, but because um, I I lived around DC United, uh, I moved to New York 2014, and New York only had one team, and then they had a second team, and I'm, I'm like, uh, I don't know if I should support which team I should support, and something I tried. But my friends like fighting too much, like yeah, support the uh, the richer team, and I support. I'm like, ah, uh, DC yeah. United is the first team, so I, I, I just stay with that team. They bo- they all suck. <laughs> my friend's gonna get mad. I said that. <laughs> yeah, but um, I don't. I don't know. The MLS is still. I don't, I'm not. I'm not really attracted to MLS. It's uh, yeah. yeah, but you know, I I prefer my African football because we don't have the support that we should have. Things are not there, so it's it's more joy for me watching that than watching MLS because MLS had. Started with the money. The money was already there. Everybody's like everybody just threw the money and um, everything that we didn't get in Africa. You know, we had to fight for hours. We don't have the enough slots at walk up and all that. And you know, it's like they just everything is here. It's like wow, you guys just get it. And I'm like, ah. so it's hard for me to commit 100% here. But I, I just rather play for fun here. Playing for fun here is fantastic. I play with. A bunch of dads, and we are from everywhere, and it's fantastic. So, I rather enjoy that more than um, the watching. At yeah. the end of the day, yeah, yeah. So, um, going forward, um, well, have you have you been to any of the 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 grounds to watch games? Yeah, I've been to West Ham's old stadium, and uh, and another oh, stadium, uh, Park in the UK. And, yeah, uh, but I've been to the stadium in Spain. Oh, which stadium in Spain? Uh, Las Palmas. Ah, that's a fucking big stadium. <laughs> that's a very big stadium. Yeah. Okay. We'll crazy be... Spanish fans are very crazy. Yep. So yep. So I've heard. So I've heard. I haven't been yeah. to. I, I was supposed to go and uh, I was supposed to go one time and then I fell in love and went somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> Lucky man. Ah, but hey, hey, uh, the things we do for love. <laughs> uh, so uh, you grew up in a very uh, diverse community, and yeah. would you consider your interaction well? Like you, you interacted with people who who were from different ethnicities to yourself, right from childhood, right? Yeah. Was it different when you met somebody who wasn't from your community or your neighborhood growing up you know, in your early days? Was it was the interaction different when you met someone who wasn't from? Wow, the, the because it was everything. Everything was pretty much the same because I went to a school mm-hmm. that was very multicultural. Okay, so 
because I live in an area that's very multicultural, then I'm going to a school that's multicultural. Yeah. Everything fits well, if that makes sense. Mm. So you've got different nationalities yep. all in one neighborhood, then you've got different nationalities all in one school. So it's pretty much basically, it's like when you go to school sometimes, it's like basically like you're in your neighborhood because so-and-so lives two minutes around the corner, mm-hmm. you know, or you see so-and-so around, you know, in the neighborhood. So my school was very like, it was very diverse. It was a very like multicultural school. So I really, um, I really like, I was, I was learning at the same time because obviously you, you're learning about different cultures, different religions, yeah, different languages. So I think I was like the benefits of me going to a school that is very diverse. Yeah, so that 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 in a way was already preparing you for the future without you realizing. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. Mm. Okay, so stepping aside from you as a traveler, you as the well, it might include you as a traveler, but no. Stepping aside from everything we've talked about a little bit, yeah. uh, let me just ask this question that might be out of the blue. Yeah. It's involved, it's, so it's more of you as an adult now. We're going into the yeah. adult person. So how do you deal with setbacks or handle failure as, you know, from with everything that you've learned, you know, from all the interactions? I should have asked this question much later, but yeah. I just felt asking it now. How how do I deal with setbacks and failure? Yeah. For me, I, um, I believe in two words, and I always say this in some in some interviews that people have interviewed me. I believe in time and consistency. So, without time, you're never ever going to prevail and do anything. And without consistency, you're never going to get to where you're meant to be heading. Mm. So, but then at the same time, there's always going to be setbacks and there's always going to be failure because nothing's perfect. That's right. Unless you live from a silver spoon, and I don't live from a silver spoon. So nothing's perfect. So let's just say, like, there's been, like, for example, I've got a setback now. I shouldn't be in the UK. I should be somewhere filming right now mm-hmm. in another country, or I should be with my partner in South America. Mm-hmm. You know, like I should be doing certain stuff. But because this is a pandemic and this is a setback, but the only way for me to prevail in this setback is just to be consistent in my work. Mm. And then eventually, the right time will come, and then everything will fall in its place. So I just believe like certain things happen for a reason. So whenever I get a setback or failure, yeah, I need to learn and educate myself. Okay, how can I prevent this from happening again? That's beautiful. Um, and I would like to add that even those bombs the silver spoon still face setbacks, but they just yeah. have a larger cushion too bounce back on in comparison to the you and i you know so, yeah. so that, that's just a difference but yeah 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 you know because sometimes you know um people like a lot of people do this thing where we magnify certain people who and i'm not against anyone born with a silver spoon but yeah. i'm against telling the story of someone who is quote unquote rich and uh, wealthy and you're like oh this person is successful and was single-handedly um, self-made and like there's no self-made person to be honest there's none and we have an example with the current u.s president dude never made any money by himself he inherited the money but that story is not told properly and people tend to say, oh, he made his money. And when you start telling the story that way, it ignores setbacks, which includes all the companies he's bankrupted. And with all the money he keeps inher- he inherited, it's easy for him to bankrupt the company and go to another bank, get a loan, and then go. But if you bankrupt a company, who's going to give you a loan to go restart another company? Something like that is not told in the story so when someone is magnifying that guy like oh i want to be like him you, you're a poor guy but you're like i want to be like him i want to be like but you're like um so where where's your cushion when you when they the setback the inevitable setback happens where is the cushion that will catch you when you fall there's none and then when it happens and then you're like what, what? that person now struggling you're looking dumb and then that's how people take their lives sometimes because 
everything is like the whole world is dropping down on them. But if we tell the story the way it should be told, like failure is part of life. Things are not, you know, the self-made is not just, no, nobody's just self-made. Some people have already been set up from the beginning. Some get into the right networks. Some get the right connection on the way. And it's different ways for different things for different people. And it's everybody's story is different. But the moment we just advertise it and say, oh, it's like a two-hour movie. This person was born today. Tomorrow, the person just became a millionaire out of hard work. Like, come on, everybody. I mean, a lot of people are working hard. The janitor works hard. The guy who's selling ice cream works hard. The waiters work hard. Why are they not millionaires? You just yeah. don't become a millionaire like that. And so that's why I try to tell some people, like, uh, yeah, it's, it doesn't work like that. It's not That story is not complete. You tell the complete story and show the setbacks and how they overcame those setbacks, what were the mechanisms used to overcome the setbacks, then the story doesn't look as sexy as it's sold out there. And then it becomes, oh, do I really want to go through that route? And, you know, so that's why I, I, I love your answer and you, you know, that you said time and consistency because you recognize already that, yeah, setbacks happen, and you still need the time and consistency to bounce back. And it's, sure. it's something that uh, some of us did not recognize from the start. You know, we were like, yeah, yeah, I, I can make it. I can. And then when it set, it, the setback hit us, we were like, wait, what, what am I doing wrong? You start judging yourself unnecessarily and you don't realize that it's, it's normal. It's natural. You know, you don't have to beat yourself to death just because a setback happened. Like, look at this pandemic. Yeah, that, that's on, no, whose fault is it that it happened? It's the, there were leaders who did not act up to prevent it. They could have prevented the impact on the common man, yes. But the common man did not create the pandemic. We didn't create it. So we're not going to be beating ourselves that it happened. But we can evolve from this happening. And yeah. so, yeah, that, that, that's, uh, those are lessons that I hope people will take and learn, you know from stuff like this. So jumping back to black man, yeah. um, what was the first experience or the first thing that happened to you that created that spark that made you say, I need to travel. Or I need to go outside of London and start going into the world. So basically I was, um, I was facing certain difficulties in my life. Oh. Um, I was mixing around with the wrong people, hanging around with the wrong people. I saw a lot of people like going to jail or having certain issues with certain people in my um, in my neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And also, I was going through certain stages in my life where I need to find myself. So it was two thousand seventeen. I decided I'm going to uh, leave the UK, but I will be going to either three countries, but I need to decide which country I want to go to to have a working visa with my partner. So it was either Australia, Canada, and New Zealand. And then we looked up on Australia. Some of our friends went there, blah, blah, blah. I went to Australia and I just met so many people all around the world. Mm people that changed my perspective in life in the way I was visualizing life. Because mm -hmm. I just saw life was just like, okay, it's, it's, it's life, you know, I'm here, I don't care, you know what I mean? So when I went to Australia and I met so many backpackers and they're telling me that they went to this country, they went to that country, they met these people, they met that people, they showed me videos. I said, fuck, man, I mean, that's something that I want to do with my partner, you know? And then at the same time, I'm trying to find myself in life, I'm trying to find my purpose. If that makes sense. Where, where in Australia did you did you meet uh, did you come across backpackers? Uh, in Sydney. Sydney, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was in Sydney. It was it, it was first time of the day. It took us two days to get there. It was hot. It was like forty degrees. Yep. And it was, for me, it was the best choice I've ever made in my life. Hmm. And then um, yeah, I, I met so many backpackers because we was a backpacker as well. So we was exchanging knowledge. Yeah. I was giving my knowledge, they were giving me their knowledge. My partner was also exchanging knowledge as well. And then uh, that's how I got the whole concept. That's how the YouTube journey started. It, it all started from Australia. And um, one of my friends, 
called Loretta I went to school with, she kept on recommending me start a YouTube channel, start a YouTube channel. And I was like, no, I don't want to. Because I was traveling before, but I wasn't documenting it. I was just putting it just like on Instagram and Facebook. And she said to me, there's no person of color like you that travels or that's doing certain stuff. So you can inspire people. Okay. Wait, wait a minute. You, you were traveling before? Yeah. Before this trip to Australia? Yeah, yeah, correct. So what, what was the difference between your earlier travels and this trip to Australia? So my difference between the earlier travels is I was just going to countries around Europe, like France and Italy and Spain. And I was just wasting money, if that makes sense. I was just like five-star hotels with my partner. You know, I was just doing stupid stuff. And the difference between Australia is I met people that saw life in a different way. Mm. I met backpackers that stayed in hostels, that done hitchhiking, that done 24-hour bus journeys. And I'm not used to that. Mm. I come from London and I'm a, I'm a city boy. So for me to hitchhike in London, it's very weird. Yep. So that's something Australia changed everything for me. It changed the way I saw life because I met backpackers that were traveling in this way. But mm. me and my partner weren't traveling that way. I was traveling the other way, if that makes sense. Yeah. So would you say it was like you, Australia got you out of a bubble? Do you realize you were in a bubble all this time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It got me out of the bubble. And once I came out of that bubble, that's when I started to see life like, wow, like, life is beautiful. But mm. then you need, to, you need to live it to, you know, to the fullest. Not just follow everything that's systematic. You don't always have to travel and stay in a five-star hotel. Yeah. In an Airbnb. So that's when I started to change my concept of life. One one thing I like about what you said when you met the backpackers is that you all shared knowledge, yeah. and I, um, I I I used to do um, couch surfing. Yeah. Oh, cool. And um, I haven't done it in a while since I had my daughter and well moved to my current apartment. Um, a little bit. I'll I'll get back to it later on. But um, the beauty of why I enjoyed couch stuffing was that I could meet people and also share knowledge. You know, you got to host people and interact with people. And, you know, that's, it's, it's always beautiful when you get people in your home, you share with them and you share what you have with them. Because when, when I travel anywhere, I want to experience where I travel to, yeah. you know? But what I consider experiencing where I go to is not, um, yeah, if, like, some, some people say they want to stay in a hotel. Yeah, you can go stay in a hotel if you want to. That's on you. But yeah. if I don't meet the people from the place that I've been to, if I don't eat their food, like, you know, like, like I, 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 I stayed in the Middle East for some time when I was in the Navy, and yeah. you know, a lot of my friends were like, let's go eat at McDonald's, let's go eat at Burger King. And I was like, uh, I, I, it, it didn't make sense to me that I'll come all the way from the United States and I'll come here thousands of miles away and then I'll still go be eating the same food I was eating <laughs> back home. You understand? Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I, I'm, they have food here. What food do you guys eat? So when I took a taxi, I asked one of the taxi drivers, like, hey, what, what, what do you eat? Where do you go to for fun? What do you... What kind of stuff do you do? Like, well, yeah, what, what do you like? Yeah. And he was like, people don't ask him this type of questions. You know, it's not, not, these aren't the type of questions he gets. And I was just like, yeah, just just give me, tell me something. Give me something. So it was like, uh, do I want to eat Moroccan food? I said, I haven't had Moroccan food. Or, no, I said, yeah, I think Moroccan food. I forgot when I had Moroccan guest that. Uh, I think that's why when she mentioned the Moroccan meal, I, was, I didn't want it. But it was couscous. Now I remember. But... Yeah. Um, I, he took me to a place and I tried the food. Yeah, and but I was trying street food. I would see people eating. I would, I would go try their street food. And that's a habit that I have now that everywhere I've been to. But I ate street food in Nigeria. Did I die? I didn't die, but I've been to many places. And, you know, it's just like, but some people would be like, but I, I get some people's fear. I don't have to. It's not like I'm bashing them. But some people, it, it takes a, a Some people have to be at a certain level before they can come out of that you know that 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 fear that uh that uh apprehension they have but for me where i am right now is i can't say i've been to a country 
and everything I had was the exact same thing that I was having in New York. No, yeah. I have to have what you people eat, drink, enjoy over there. Otherwise, I won't count it that I've been to your country. I won't. I just won't. I, I, it doesn't count. Yeah, that, that's why I, I, I hang out with the locals. And most places that I've been to, I have friends there who are locals. And they always enjoy my company because they're like, you, you, you don't act like the rest. When you come, when you come here, you're like, I want to, what, what, do you, what is it? Where is it? I want to see it. Take me. Take me there. I want to experience your place. I want to experience it. The good, bad, and the ugly. Let me see it. And if I don't like it, okay, fine. But uh, let me try it at least. Let me give it a try. So, and, uh, and people, that is part of the sharing of, uh, exchange of knowledge and information. Because how, 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 would you, how, how, how would you come to the conclusion that you don't like something if you haven't tried it? True. You can't just come there and be judging like, oh, that, 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 their food looks ugly. Well, the food looks ugly. Do you taste it? <laughs> you have to taste it. I don't say you should go eat every single food. If, if, you don't, if you're only there for two, three days, you might not be able to eat all. But at least there are stuff you can try. You give it a try. And, you know, but that, it humanizes the people too. A friend of mine who I interviewed, he was in, um, was it Kazakhstan? I forgot him. One of those countries in that area. And he went for the local massage and he said his body has never been bent by, by a man that way. And I, I, it's still on my list. It's something that when I go to those areas, I'll go try too. Get, get that mm. massage, bend my body. It's part of the experience. It's part of the exchange of information. And it's stuff that people need to be encouraged to go see and try because there's no, if you try, keep doing that, you can't have certain stereotypes in your head. You can't have certain uh, discriminations that you'll be encouraging. You'll be, you'll be, you'll be agree with because you see the people as human beings. It starts with that. When you start seeing people as human beings, you can't just go with one way of thinking and say, it, it, it starts with seeing people as human beings, but you have yeah. to ex be willing to experience. You have to be willing to give the try. So, yeah, that that's why it was beautiful. You guys shared, you know, that sh it begins that sharing of information. Sharing sharing of information isn't just from one person. It's from you know, it's both parties. You know, so yeah, that that that's that's so cool. So you you meet these uh, backpackers in um, Sydney. Uh, yeah. what, 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 what was the first thing, apart from um, after your interaction with the backpackers, what was the first thing that stood out to you about um, Sydney? Ooh, Sydney, uh, it was um, tall buildings, man, taller than London. Hmm. Skyscraper buildings. Yeah. Um, it was hot. I've never felt that hot in my life. It was boiling. Hmm. You know, it was like. It was like a mini, a mini America, because I've been to America before, and Sydney was just like, it's it's very fast paced. Oh, really? It's the financial capital of Australia, so it's oh, a very okay. city. Um, there's always things happening. Yeah. I really love Sydney, but I think it's better than London in terms of, apart from the nightlife. Yeah. The city itself is beautiful, man. Well, well, what what's up with the nightlife? Nah, not for me, man. Too much electronic music. <laughs> well, I, I, someone from London, you you weren't down with the electronic music? Nah, I'm okay, brother. Man, I love my my hip hop, my Afro beats, my jazz. Electronic music is not for me, bro. Oh man, <laughs> uh, oh, that that's that's beautiful, man. That's beautiful. Um, so. From Sydney, uh, so you returned back after that to the UK? Nah, so I, I stayed two years in Australia. Oh, wow. Yeah, two years straight. I just, two years and almost, let's just say three years, almost three years. And then I, I came back to to the uh, to England last year, May. Oh, yeah, so yeah. were you going, um, were you making trips from Australia or were you just, how, how did that work? Yeah, yeah, from Australia. So what I've done, in between Australia, I went to Indonesia and Bali. And then I just started to understand the culture more. And then I stayed in Australia for another whole year. And then when I left Australia, that's when I started to travel in between all these countries in the last year in the pandemic. And that's when I started to fulfill. Oh. Uh, Indonesia, 
I have I have a question about Indonesia. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to get your perspective there. Um, did you go? To, you didn't go to Thailand. Yeah, I went to Thailand last year. Okay, Thailand also. All right. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Indonesia, I, I have to, I have a question about um Indonesia. It was uh, I took a taxi once. Well, it was an Uber. Well, taxis, just you know, Uber taxis. Um, and I always have a conversation with my drivers. You know, I, I, I consider them my homies. And you know, from their names, we always start a conversation. And New York, they always international. You know, they always have an international background and. Uh, yeah. Almost all the drivers I've taken have, I think maybe only one or two have. Uh, I've, I've, I really, I really get the same country twice. I really do. They're yeah. almost different countries. So there was this day, this guy uh, picked me up, and I was like, I can't place his name. I can't place. I tried because I'm good at guessing where names are from. Yeah. And I tried, I tried, I tried, and then I, I finally got his name. Uh, he gave me a clue, and I was like, "Wait, you?" He said Bali. I said, "Oh, Indonesia." He was like, "Yeah." I was like, "Man, you're the first person from Indonesia I've met." <laughs> like, he was like, "Oh, cool." And he was like, "So I was like, oh, you want to guess where I'm from?" And he tried, and he couldn't guess mine either. So I was like, "Ah, Tushi." Uh, yeah. And we started chatting, and he was like, "Oh, I should visit Indonesia." I said, "Yeah, I should. I should. If I had stayed longer in the Navy." Because I was trying to get stationed in Japan, but the, yeah. I, I didn't get approved for that. So that's when I was like, yeah, there's no point. Get I'll get out. So if I had gotten to Japan, I probably would have visited Indonesia and all the islands around. But um, he he was like, oh, if I go to Indonesia, I shouldn't tell them that I'm... I should just say I'm from America. I should, I should always say New York. I shouldn't mention yeah. the Nigerian side. They don't like the Nigerians get discriminated against. Is it? Yeah, in Indonesia. So, uh, I, I I was wondering if uh, you got any any any, any signs of something like uh, that. You know, hospitality in Indonesia for me is one of the best people that I've I've met. They are very polite. Hospitality is amazing. I felt safe. You know, it was it was it was it was good. The only discrimination I got in Southeast Asia, really and truly, was when I was in Singapore. Mm, interesting. Which I, which I wouldn't have expected. Yeah, even I even even I was probably expected to either be in Indonesia or like because I went to Vietnam as well. No, when I was in Singapore, they thought I was a drug dealer in the airport. Oh, okay, yeah, I, yeah, they're very strict about. Yeah. I had I've got a lot of stamps in my passport, mm -hmm. and they kept asking me why do you travel? Why do you travel? And I said to them, what type of question do you ask a human? Why do you travel in the airport? You know. And then they didn't like the answer that I gave them. And then they said to me, um, how do you make your money? I said, I just left Australia. I lived two years in Australia. It, everything was legal. I had all my pay, I, I, I had all my pay slips by email to show them that I had the, the, the correct financial income. Yeah. Everything was legally, but they just, they, they couldn't buy it. Mm-hmm. And they were looking, 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 looking for something. I'm pretty so, sure they're, they're only used to seeing white um yeah. you know white travelers yeah. as the the vloggers yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they rarely and, see black people as, and when i had the camera yeah they said what do you do and i said i make videos on youtube so they couldn't believe me i said to them if you can just type my name on youtube the same picture you see in front of you is the same picture you're going to see on your on your on your phone or on your tablets and then they 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 double check and then they saw me and then they apologized, and I said, "You know what? I don't like this. I'm never, I'm never ever going to come back to Singapore. So I'm, 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 I'm never going to go back. I'm going to try to avoid going to the airport because uh, they treated me very bad. Yeah, they kept me there for like 40 minutes, one hour, and I had a transit as well. That's why, that's why mm. I had to go to Singapore. Oh, so from, wow! It was just a transit. Yeah, it was just a transit. Man. I had no purpose of going there. I was going from, I was going from Sydney, Australia, to Singapore, Singapore to Vietnam, mm -hmm. and that's the only way to get to Vietnam." And then they were refusing me to jump on my, you know, to jump on my flight. I said, "Look, I need to leave this 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 airport." Wow, yeah, because uh, I watched uh, this this show on YouTube, Black Experience Japan, and he's been expanding to cover other 
um, black professionals. Before the pandemic, he well, he, he expanded into covering other um, black people living in other Asian countries around yeah. Japan. So one of the countries he had been focusing on was the were, were people in Singapore. And yeah. a lot of them were like, oh, this is the, the place they've, uh, they all left uh, dealing with racism in Western countries and they moved here and they don't deal with racism. And, you know, it's one thing that um, one of my favorite podcasters, uh, the Black Out Tips, has always mentioned that, you know, it's, no matter where you go, there's always racism, but it depends on, you know, you, you, you can say it doesn't exist, but it's always there. And yeah. if you don't, you know, you can say, because like all the people, I'm not doubting them that they don't experience racism there because they've dealt racism all their lives. Yeah. But they're not in a profession where they have to travel a lot as, you know, a vlogger. So yeah. now being in that position where they travel a lot, you get stamps and then Singapore being so strict because that's the thing with Singapore. For all the goodness, all the good stuff that, you know, the good praises, it's very strict when it comes to this yeah. drug policy. It's unforgiving. There's no forgiveness. It doesn't matter if you have one ounce of weed, it yeah, treats yeah. you like you're bringing all the cocaine in the world into his country, then they, they, they slam you. So, you know, people just take that and say, oh, you know, they, they, are, they, they are doing good here, so we're not going to talk about this side where they can, have, they can still exhibit racism and um, discriminate against someone like yourself. So it's Singapore's loss anyway. At the end of the day, it's their loss. Well, we shall take a uh, quick break and we'll be right back. Hi everyone, your host Rafael Harry here. I can't believe we have gone past our one year anniversary of doing White Label American. I've had the privilege of speaking with some amazing people, sharing their modern day immigrant stories and you've allowed this Nigerian immigrant to share parts of his immigrant journey through this podcast. Also, one of my goals of this podcast is breaking down artificial walls that keep people from getting to understand each other. Based on your wonderful feedback over the last year, I think we have done a decent job in breaking down some of those walls. We would like to continue and expand on this mission, but we need your help. I've had an amazing time creating and producing episodes for this show largely on my own. We have a lot of ideas for new and exciting content to expand upon the mission, but we need direct support from you, our listener, which is why we have created White Label American Patreon page where you can make a one-time donation or become a sustaining contributor where you can get access to exclusive content, help me interview upcoming guests by submitting questions, and even have the chance to sit down with me for a one-on-one conversation, either virtually or in studio. So if this podcast means something to you, And if you really love this show, think about becoming a sustaining contributor and donating by going to patreon.com slash white label American POD. Thanks for listening and for the privilege of your company. So we are back and, uh, so uh, you, you went into Vietnam. I've heard great stuff about Vietnam. Yeah. Was, was, it, was it a great experience for you too? Yeah. Vietnam was uh, crazy. Vietnam was, was where the first video started for the YouTube. Mm. Um, I tried snake in Vietnam. That was crazy as well. Did it taste, it taste like chicken? chicken. <laughs> yeah. You read my mind. Yeah. 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 It doesn't taste like chicken, man. I had a... I had a yellow belly snake in Vietnam. Um, I stayed in a homestay in Vietnam. Everything, everything started in Vietnam. Like, like my first videos, interacting with people around the world. 
like in Southeast Asia, and it mm. was it was amazing. I was there. I think I was there for I was there for three weeks. It was, it was, it was, it was so, uh, do do you, um, out of all the places that you've been to, if you had to yeah. pick one place to make your home right now, like okay, this is it. You are given the opportunity. One you know, place, yeah, to to move to so, someone like here's a check. Move to one of these places. Go settle there. What what where would that be? I'm gonna have to say four countries because I can't really pick. Whoa, four! All right. I would say um, number one would be Turkey. Okay. And why? So beautiful hospitality number one in the world. Mm. I think it, it has everything. It's got beaches. It's Mediterranean. The food is amazing. Turkey is, for me is good. Number two, I would say maybe Australia because it's just it's blessed with natural beauty in general. Not, don't all the animals want to kill people there? I've, I've, I've killed snakes. I've seen, I've seen, I've seen, I've seen wallabies. I've seen kangaroos. So I'm okay with the animals. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Animals don't really bother me. Don't bother me. Um, I would say Australia's second. The third, I would say Argentina because it's very beautiful as well. Good food. Mm. It's, it's, it's blessed with beauty as well, natural beauty. And then the fourth, I would say Brazil. Brazil. Yeah, Brazil is very beautiful as well, and it's very. Uh, I don't think you can mention Argentina and Brazil in the same list. Are you trying to start a civil <laughs> war or something? <laughs> now I would say Brazil, man. Brazil, Brazil reminds me of home of Africa. It's got the African cultureness, and even but though it's it, a bit, it, it is, it is technically people. an African country. But I don't think most Brazilians like to hear that. But it is an African country. They just, they just yeah. don't know it yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So. Um, I think you've given a clue to this answer. Yeah. But I'll still ask the question. So, okay. from all your tr travel, yeah, what's your favorite cuisine that you've had? Favorite cuisine? I would say Turkish. I would say a Turkish kebab is one of the best cuisine that I've had when I when I've traveled. The Turkish food, it's it's it's. It has a lot of flavors in them. It has a lot of spices. It has mm. a lot of art in Turkish food. So I, I would say, I would say the Turkish cuisine is very tasty and, and very, 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 very delicate. Mm, I'm surprised you went with Turkish. Yeah, Turkish that, all the way. That beats Vietnamese. Vietnamese, I didn't like the food. I'm so sorry. Well, you had snakes, so maybe that's why. Yeah, nah. <laughs> I mean, the food in Thailand is good. The food in Thailand is good. And Myanmar, I was in Myanmar. Oh yeah. But I would say. But the Turkish food is just, oh man, it's breathtaking. Mm. Yeah. So, um, what one thing I I, no, I noticed in uh, some of your videos is, uh, you you seem to be able to talk to you talk to locals, even yeah. if they um, they don't seem to speak English. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you seem to just so how how do you, how do you know who to talk to and how 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 do you make that work? So what I do basically, um, I don't. Like, you see, when I travel, I try to say to people, the first thing is you need to understand certain words and certain languages in whatever country you go to. Mm. So, so what I do, I try to learn the basic in every language. So if I was to go to Nigeria, I would try to learn maybe Igbo or Yoruba or something, you know? I'll try to learn the basics. Hello, how are you? Thank you. How much? Blah, blah, blah. Okay. The reason why I do that is because it shows a sign of respect. It means you're respecting other people's culture. Yeah. And people are more likely to interact with you because they see a foreigner trying to speak their native language. Mm. So that's what I do. And that's how I interact with the locals. I try to say, hello, da, 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 how are you? How much is it? And that's how I start to, and that's how the conversation start. That's smart. Even if you don't speak English, I still try my best to speak yeah. their language. Yeah. yeah. But at least that, that, that breaks the ice and they know you're yeah, making yeah. an effort. Then they, they, they know. Yeah. And like you said earlier, you don't have to be perfect, but yeah. it, it, um, even the, the the local who who can't speak English, they'll they'll, they'll go the extra mile to help you. Yeah, yeah. that's right. That's cool. So um, let's say the pandemic ends right now. Yeah. What's the first place that black man is traveling to? Right. So I have to go South America to see my partner because she's there in Argentina. Oh, she's not with you right now. No, no, no. She's there with her family because of of like the. 
yeah. pandemic the first oh, okay. <laughs> so I'm going to go to Argentina but the biggest journey I've got this year I will be going to India for four months wow where in India um, I'll be starting off in Delhi okay and then I'll be doing Rajasthan all over Goa but then I will be going to Pakistan and Bangladesh in between I will be going to those two countries as well oh wow that's big. Yeah, so that's going to be very, very exotic, colourful new adventure that I'll be, I'll be doing, and I, and I will be hitchhiking. I will be doing cross-border videos as well, so I'll be making my content more raw. Okay. I'll be going to immigration by foot, doing cross-borders videos. I will be doing hitchhiking from from Pakistan to India, or India to Pakistan. So I will be showing people what it's like to jump in random people's cars because I do do hitchhiking as well. All righty. So, um, how how do you deal with um, you know, your, your, does your family show? Um, do they say their concern, safety concerns, yeah. friends say yeah, safety yeah. concerns? So, I, I, what do you, what's your response when people bring up safety concerns? They call me crazy. They say, Amir, black man, the travel, you're a crazy man. How can you hitchhike in random people's cars? But in terms of security wise. When I when I do hitchhiking in um, around the world, I go on Instagram and I make a live video to show the driver and the people, look, I'm here with blah blah blah. Okay. So at least people can see that the last person I was seeing with was with this person. I will send my location, my WhatsApp location to like my partner and some other people because whenever I travel, I always tend to buy a SIM card of that country, so yeah. I always have internet. All right. So when I send my lo- so when I send my location or WhatsApp. And when I make a live video Instagram, that should cover my security concerns. All righty. So, when you are in a country, do you do um, do you, do you tap into their music also? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, if if the music is playing, I'll dance, I'll sing, I'll try to ask them what's this type of music. Me, I'm a type of person I prefer to go to a country and understand their culture mm. and learn and, and re-educate myself. So I'll try to do less Western things yeah. and try to evolve into their culture, if that makes sense. So have you, um, do any of the artists that you've heard from your travels, um, have any of them made it into your favorite lists? Oh, no, 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 not yet. You still, <laughs> you're still loyal to your... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't mind listening to Indian music or African music or South American music. It doesn't bother me as long as it's got a good beat and it's got a meaning. All right. All righty. Um, what's your advice to any brother or sister listening that would love to travel like you do? You know, you know, what's the, what, what, what would you tell, how, how would you the best advise advice, to go? The best advice I can say to people is just do it. You know, come out of your comfort zone. Don't be scared to try to hitchhike what I do. Don't be scared to visit a slum because I visit because I visit slums as well. Don't be scared to take 24-hour bus journeys, hostels, homestays. I'll tell you why you, you should come out of the comfort zone because you never know what you could become as a person. Mm. And also you're educating yourself. I always tell people this word like when when I traveled, I've I've I learned more things than traveling than I learned in the education system. Just by meeting people. Yeah. You know, they don't teach that they don't teach that in the education system. I don't know how it works in America, but in the UK the certain stuff they don't teach you. So when you travel and you learn new languages, you try new food, you learn new cultures and religions and beliefs and ethnic backgrounds, you start to you start to re educate your mind and you're thinking, Oh wow. So the best advice I can say to people is come out of the comfort zone and just if you don't have enough money, try to travel uh, at least like domestic in your in the country that you're in. So at least mm-hmm. you can you know, re-educate yourself. And when you do have the financial needs, just try to go somewhere where you're less likely to go to and just enjoy the journey. Yeah. Um, there's something my cousin had said, my cousin uh, had alluded to, which I rounded up by saying, there's not one way to be black. And yeah. it also goes into the traveling i had a friend who well i'll call him a former friend i think i lost contact with him a while back but he had said uh to me one time that he noticed that i i do travel once in a while and i travel he's one of those who when i used to live in texas um he had said himself and his wife had wanted to travel to places 
that um, his wife was of Mexican heritage. Well, I think they had only gone to maybe one place in Mexico, but like a lot of Americans do that. They just go to a resort and yeah. that's it. They don't go anywhere else. And if you travel, I've, I've done that travel once and it was like the most disappointing travel in my life because you just stay on, on the resort. They all the food you eat there. But, and I'm like, this, this, I, I can't say I've been to this country. It's disappointing. You know? I never I didn't experience anything. It's a waste of money. Yeah, it's a waste of money. And he he was he was like, Yeah, but how, how can I start? Where do I go? And it falls back to this thing of people wanting everything to be perfect because you've trained yourself to be so used to this resort style travel where everything is in one spot so yeah. why would you let yourself go out so now it's a bubble you've created now because yeah you you're like why should i travel to you know even within my country right within the united states like he's in texas i met people like that he wasn't the only one i met a bunch of other people in texas they've never set food outside of texas now when you're telling them what's happening in other states how can they relate to that they can't because they're like, well, why? Why should I? Or like, oh, doesn't make sense. But you just need to go. Because when you meet somebody, then you have an interaction with that person. Your your brain starts to deprogram. You, you unprogram your brain. You know, the way you've been programmed, it changes. And you're like, wait, what? I've been doing this all. No, no, no. We have been thinking about this. It has been wrong. And you you can't read that in a textbook you can't you know you you can read certain things but you can't just depend on reading 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 because you have to still go and interact you have to go and experience certain things and learn from the experiences and that's where the traveling comes in so i haven't done enough traveling within the united states i need to improve on that too but at the yeah. same time I need, yeah, there's many countries in the world you have to still meet people around the world and that's what the beauty of new york because there are people from everywhere here and the more I keep beating them, everything changes. Information I've had all my life keeps changing every day and changing and changing and changing. And that's why traveling is great because the more you meet people, the more everything changes and you get better. You should be getting better as a person. You should be improving. And that's what all it's about. So people don't have to wait until they can only do international or you can only go to the end of the world. You don't have to blow your whole um, savings on traveling. Sure. You know, you can do it locally, like you said, and that's why I love your answer. You know, you don't, you, there's, people give so many excuses, and like, it don't have to be that. You know, there's couch surfing. You can stay with the local and get more information. Yeah. There's so many options. Yeah, bro. So, oh, man. Man, I'm, I'm so glad you came on the show, man. It's, it's so beautiful. Uh, we could do this all day long. But I'll have, I'll have to end it here, you know. But down the line, you know, when when, you, when this is all over and you go to Argentina, we are going to most definitely have um, a, a part two from there. And Thank you. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll catch up again. So for the final question, yeah. what is one thing you would like to leave the audience with? You know, could be a quote, could be your favorite um Lyric from um, um, favorite line from you, one of your favorite songs could be anything you just want to leave the audience with. The only thing I can leave the audience with, I think I said it before in the podcast time and consistency are the only things that are going to get you out from your daily struggles. Mm. I always say to myself, you need to use your time wisely because this, this time that we have right now, we're never going to get it back. Yep. Even if you maybe come on your podcast again, you're not going to have the same energy. True. You know what I mean? So I really believe like everything happens for a reason. Everything happens in time. God puts everything in time, whether it's bad or good or whatever, everything happens in time. So use the time wisely that you have, but be consistent. As soon as you're consistent and use your time, you're going to succeed in whatever you do. So that's the only thing I can leave for the audience. You know, time and consistency are the two key things in life. That's what I think. All righty. That was beautiful. So thanks again, Amir. Um, no uh, please tell the audience how they can find you and where they can find you. So basically on my Instagram, it's blackman underscore DA, the traveler. That's my Instagram name. And my YouTube channel is blackman space DA, the, and then traveler. That's my YouTube name. All righty. And I'll be adding both links to the show notes. And you all please go check him out and um, enjoy his videos. And I know there'll be plenty more to come in due time. So. Thank you very much. Um, keep doing your thing, 
keep up with the consistency and yeah time time will uh, definitely hook us up one of these days I appreciate uh, for letting me come on your platform and I really respect what you're doing as well and I wish you guys a successful year as well alright appreciate that and same to you brother and to everyone else don't forget to subscribe and keep the love coming in enjoy your new year and yeah I'll see you all at the next episode and thank you for the privilege of your company Thanks for listening to White Label American. If you enjoyed the show, we'll appreciate if you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast from. If you have any questions, comments, or have someone who will be a good guest on the show, or you want to be on the show, send us a message at whitelabelamerican at gmail.com. And make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at White Label American. Thank you for your support.